Welcome to the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. I'm John, coming to you from the perfectly acceptable city of St. Louis. I'm joined from Canada by my co-host Andy. And in a very special treat in honor of International Men's Day, the biggest bro of all, Emma. Welcome to the show, Emma. Long time no see. Yes, it's been a while. I'm surprised you were willing to have me back. Yeah, we'll very soon find out why it's been a while, I'm sure. Hey. <laughs> right. We legit felt bad when we had somebody not really on the site for as our first guest this year. So we're like, oh, crap, we better find a way to get them other people on. Yeah, Corey stole your guys' heart. Yeah. With his we're, basketball well, and his job writing about television. Get your follower count up and then we'll talk. Okay. But, I'm, no, I'm encroaching on you, first of all. <laughs> Thank all you, right. uh, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we're excited to talk about some Survivor. As John said, this is the ridiculously titled International Men's Day because, thank God, somebody is finally looking out for the fellas. It's about right. time, I mean, you know. And, and to celebrate that, we're talking about an episode of Survivor where a woman went home and no women's alliance got through. Woo! That was a close one. Boy power. Uh, so... General opinion on this episode, first of all. Let's start with that, because I feel like there's been mixed reaction on this one. Emma, let's get your opinion first, since we're going to be nice to you for the first five minutes. Yeah, um, I was surprised to see so many people, at least in our communities, which would be our actual site and then the AV Club, like, really, like, not just like, oh, it was, you know, B, B minus, but, like, actively disliking the episode, because, like, I mean... We knew Wiggles going home wasn't ever going to be, like, a super exciting one, and I thought they did a pretty good job making it as fun as possible. And were you all hoping, as I was, that we would actually get the boot episode with zero actual confessionals from Kelly? No, we got one! We got one! That was the big tip of the hat that she's going But he was hoping that we wouldn't. Oh, yeah. No, what I'm hoping for is uh, they don't even air her final jury question. Just like... (laughs) Not out of the room. People talking, and she's just there. That's what I'm hoping for. Because I am not like the people who are somehow cranks about this. Uh, And Twitter was a big part of this. They're like, why was the Wigglesworth edit? This episode sucks. It's like, there's no Wigglesworth edit to be had, and that's a good thing. I enjoyed last night's episode. Yeah, this was the Wigglesworth edit. This was what we were getting for the last seven, eight weeks. Anyway, this was just a continuation. Yeah, Yeah, the... Oh, sorry. The weirdest part about it to me is, like, this idea that, like, oh, the editor screwed her up because I feel like there's nothing the show would have wanted more than, like, a dynamic, entertaining, successful Kelly Wigglesworth. Yeah, she was a headliner of the season. Like, when they were first putting together, they were like, we got to get a season one. or And I think they tried for two, obviously. But, yeah, I think they wanted Wigglesworth to be one of them. She was featured in the cold open of the season, you know, and the first episode until they quickly realized that it was a complete waste of time trying to draw blood out of that stone. This is not, you know, producers keeping the dynamic Kelly Wigglesworth away from the fans. This is them, you know, cutting their losses. Uh, for somebody who was the ninth boot of the season, too. Like, oh, my God, why didn't they structure it around her? Yeah, and also, um, (laughs) if these people are so concerned about Kelly getting shafted by the edit, was there anything they saw in the bonus scenes? Because she had some pretty much every week. Was there anything you saw there that you were like, that was gold? How did that not make the episode? 
Yeah, the way she perfunctorily described the weather and her food was just amaze balls. No, look, <laughs> then that's this episode and complaints why you know then the story wasn't there. I also feel like there's a bit of some negative opinions about the season overall, and I don't get it. Like, I feel like we're getting some really good Survivor here. And uh, this is where I'm going to do the thing that I do a lot that I think is super popular, where I overgeneralize <laughs> about fans and why they think the way they do. Uh, I know it's probably one of my worst tendencies, but it's also my trademark, so here we go. Um, I feel like people were really invested in certain people this season, and when those people either are losing or not featured, that's where some of maybe the negativity that's out there. And I should say, I think... The overall feeling is people are enjoying the season, but there are some naysayers out there. Uh, what do yeah. you guys think? I mean, two of my favorites were gone in the first four episodes, so I'm still liking the season. So if you don't like this season, Andrew Savage and Cass, <laughs> their opinions right there. Yeah, isn't he the only member of your hype team left? Uh, yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, is by the way, visual joke. Good. The visual joke was a great idea for the audio listeners of the podcast. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, that was John flipping off the camera with two fingers, for those of you listening on your commute, like I do. But, yeah, I look, I don't need this episode to be about Kelly Wigglesworth and, like, properly framing why she went, because the story of the episode and what's going to power the season is what Stephen Fishback was doing. Why do you think he flipped the vote? There's well, a lot to discuss here, and let's talk about all of it. Well, first of all, was anybody else confused by... I mean, I guess it makes sense we're not out there, but him saying, or someone saying, Kelly talks to everybody, Kelly's really well-connected, made it seem like she had all these connections. Really, all we saw was her with Joe, and I don't even know how strong that one was, Um do you think there was actually anything going on and she really was that well-connected, or was this just a, yeah, whatever, let's take her out? I think it was probably, like, she probably talked to everyone in that she literally, like, spoke to people, less than, like, talking to everyone, like, had, you know, strategic conversation. But, yeah, I laughed so hard when Tasha was like, Kelly talks to everyone, like, cackled at the TV by myself. Because, <laughs> yeah. Not I, wonder if, I wonder if she talks to people the way Andy talks to me, and that he talks in my general direction. It's not so much a two-way street with the conversation, usually. No, I think she actually did talk to people and, like, listen to them. Uh, and this is where I think some people's frustrations probably came in, and I guess I can get it if you're really invested in things like editing and stuff. Um... Yeah, we didn't see any of that because talking to them and talking to us are different things, and she was boring AF when talking to us. Andy, but, yeah. I told you about using teen slang. It's even worse saying it out loud. It's not supposed really, to be that, really I, I was trying to censor myself for the kids. Um, <clears throat> but, no, I think she probably was very social, uh, and I, you, you get that sense from things outside of the game. Uh, PG talked about how she was, you know, she really liked Kelly Wentworth. I think some other people in their Wigglesworth. interviews have asked Wigglesworth. I think she also probably said that about Kelly Wentworth. Um, uh, Barner, you know, adored her. Savage felt really connected. So people have spoken highly of her upon their exit. Even Fishbach, you know, on Twitter 
listed uh, Wigglesworth as somebody he did not think he could beat. So I think it's all legitimate in there. And, yeah, we weren't getting that because she's horrible television. Survivor made a good call not showing that to us, especially because it doesn't matter other than trying to figure out why Stephen did what he did. And I'm willing to accept that he had a good reason for it. Because if you're going to make a big move, and this was a big move, you don't do it to eliminate what we thought was the GOAT. Right. And really, if you're going to make the flip, we're just assuming that he was going to, his only targets, you couldn't take out Joe, so your only possible targets then are Kelly, Keith, and Tasha. Personally, I would have gone for Tasha, but it's six of one, half dozen of the other. I don't think it matters a ton, because if you're going to flip and this is going to be your group, you're getting Tasha next anyway. Yeah, and I think what it is is Kelly is had become Joe's, like, second. So if you can't get Joe, Kelly is the shot you can take. I don't think Tasha was that to Joe. So I think that's where that is, and people are like, well, why did we never get anything about the the, the Joe-Kelly uh, relationship? It's like, well, because it's new, you know? Like, what? It, it only, like, they literally met at the merge, and people should know this because they were never on a tribe together. Uh, they weren't hiding it from us for, for seven episodes. It was the past two. And those were pretty awesome episodes full of a lot of stuff. And if you're like, oh, they should have taken out more of, you know, blindsiding Savage and Kelly Wentworth playing her idol so that I could have gotten a conversation of Joe and Wigglesworth talking, give your freaking head a shake. Like, I like Joe, and he's still not that interesting talking. This is uh, another episode of Andy trashing the Internet commenters that everybody loves so much. Yeah, and actually, this is where I should clarify. I'm not probably talking about people listening here. There is this whole other world that incredibly frustrates me for whatever reason. Um, but, Stephen, why why this? Because I believe him that Wigglesworth was some level of threat. But, like, he blew up a big thing to make this happen. Did you... And the, I think the biggest puzzling, and I know that, like, John tweeted about this, is he said that he, Spencer, and Jeremy were on the bottom. Was that surprising? Do you buy that? Go for it, Emily. I can buy. <laughs> I can buy that um, Spencer was on the bottom. Definitely, I can buy that Stephen at least would feel that way due to his experience at Bion. Jeremy, it's tricky. It's like because he's on the top, he's on the bottom because he's clearly like, yeah, they got rid of Savage the first time they took a shot, but like Jeremy almost has to be your next target unless you just have a grudge against someone. Um, like they might against Tasha or whatever, but um, but because Jeremy is so clearly the front runner and like the leader, that almost makes him at the bottom because that's you know who they would be attacking, like who people would flip on. So if he you know flips for it's the whole get before you get got thing or whatever. Which was actually said on the show last night, which was yes. amazing. Uh, yeah, and I think you're you're basically onto it there. Like if if they're on the bottom, which you can view it that way, if they're at least, if they're not on the bottom, they're at risk if the Tasha, Kelly, Keith group decides to pick up the other three women and come after them. They're going to be outnumbered. So, Or even if they don't, if you just take care of business, eliminate those three, it's four on three now with the elimination of Savage. And Stephen keeps talking about how this is revolutionary, Survivor, and all this is all happening. I think what happened last night is actually a bit of an indication of that, in that 
traditionally the people who use those ones on the bottom are the people that are on the bottom of the dorm- dormant alliance. They try and pick up somebody, or at least that's the move that we keep talking about. Often, I guess that doesn't happen because those people are at the bottom of an alliance because they're inert, and they never pick up the Sierras or whatever of the world. What happened last night was that the people, the alphas, the people that are calling the shots, are like, we will be vulnerable at some point. Let's use these people now. And that, I don't think, really ever happens other than Tony Vlachos. It's very funny that you called them the alphas, because one of them. (laughs) Yeah, but he's like the alpha nerd, right? Like, he's the high strategist. Jeremy is kind of like the all-around. And then Spencer's the big, threatening, popular guy. We might discuss later how much of a strategist Steven is. Well, and then also, I guess this is sort of what I was saying before, but it's like people like Kimmy and Keith, less so with Tasha and certainly not with Joe, but people like Kimmy and Keith, they're maybe on the bottom when it's a tribe, but when it becomes a merge, you know, nobody's thinking about that. So then they're not really on the bottom anymore. But to the point that Andy was getting at, I mean... I want to believe that this was because of Tony. I want to believe that Tony's uh, game is what's influencing Jeremy here, and Jeremy's seeing, ooh, what I need to do is have Joe and Tasha as easy targets as we're going forward. And Yes, there's a uh, Yes, we have a cameo here. Somebody that hi. should Do you want to say hi, Christopher? Hi. Hi. What do you think that Stephen should have done last night? <laughs> This is going to play so well on the podcast. Your opinion is about as valid as Kelly's. Good night, buddy. So, anyway, as we were saying, um, yeah, it's entirely possible that Jeremy is essentially using Tony's strategy because Joe sticking around becomes an ongoing focus of this group of six. Like, no, we're going to have to take Joe out. And actually, Joe winning immunities probably is going to help them because that's going to keep them focused at the eyes on the prize type thing. The same thing that happened in um, Exile Island slash Panama, where everyone was so focused, like, we've got to get Terry out, got to get Terry out, and they just couldn't. It at least held them together. Yeah, and I also think Joe winning also changes the math and the timing of this for Steven, because if the plan is we got to get out Joe and he never goes away, eventually that plan is going to be like, well, okay, let's get rid of Jeremy. So I think... Uh, yeah, I, that's why I understand why they did last night. It's risky, but, you know, to bring it back to Tony Blocko's, um, I think we learned what happened there is, you know, sometimes you just have to accept risk and make your move. And you can, by doing so, you can beat people who are unwilling to take those risks. Yeah, the risk here, though, is that you're taking your group of three and aligning with another group of three Ideally, you want to be the group of three that aligns with the group of two. Yeah. But, I mean, you know. But Joe was your... losing, right? So it's like, you know, if, if, so if Joe had lost, you're fine. You can get rid of him. But if you just got rid of Kelly Wentworth tonight, and then it's like, okay, two, but the other side is four. And Joe might not be available to go anywhere anytime soon. So, yeah, it's kind of like you had to do it sometime. There's always the feeling like this is too early, but again, bringing it back to Tony, that's what everybody said. When he, so sometimes you make the big move when you can. Yeah. So I definitely don't fault them. It's one of those things we'll have to wait and see results-wise what happened. But like you said, we've learned very well from Tony and then in season since then. Just do it when you can. Worry about the consequences later. 
Clean yeah, and also for me, I'm hoping that this is kind of a Vlaco's influence, and it's interesting that it comes from Fishbach, who was one of the big Tony naysayers during the season and then came around at the end, because, you know, I wrote an article on the internet that suggested that Tony winning was going to change Survivor, so I like to be right about things. Other than it happens so rarely, so... It does. i got to keep what I can. Um... But what do you think, Emma? Do you think like they surrendered too much power to those uh, the, to the witches, Kevin? Um, well, I admit I was distracted a lot when John was talking because I was recovering from the child appearance. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, not really because you still really only have two out of three of those witches are strategists, you know, um, are people who you really have to worry about. And I think what they have to worry about a little more is the fact that those three, like they've power, it's more that they have power in being free agents and they are also connected to Joe just as much as they're connected to Steven or Jeremy. And if, you know, Tasha, Kimmy, etc. mad enough, they might just, you know, try to use the three girls instead and switch back and, Yada, yada, yada. So I think the bigger issue is getting Kimmy and Tasha back. But, like, if you're the Sierra uh, Wentworth group, and, you know, you're a woman, so you need to speak for them for us. Right. Um, that makes sense. You try to flip to those other four and get rid of, you know, uh, Jeremy, uh, Steven, Spencer? Depends. <laughs> I think you don't decide until after the immunity challenge, because I think it depends. I think if you have the option to get rid of Joe, you do it. Um, if he wins again, maybe. Um, but it depends, you know, depends on how they feel. They've already tried to vote out Tasha, so maybe they want to just, you know, clear that out. I don't think they, you know, I don't think they stick with those guys to get rid of Kimmy or Keith. Right, well, that's uh, what I'm saying. So, like, they should team up with Keith and, you know, Kimmy. Yeah, they might want to clean out other house first. Yeah. Now, I think where Steven and Jeremy will get lucky is Kimmy does not seem to be the type who wants to work with other women. <laughs> you think? I love how she's hammering this witches thing so hard. Like, really? Well, not John, women are very catty, and they cause so much drama, and that's why it's just easier to hang out with guys, you know? It's just, like, it's just so much more chill. I just did another like, visual joke with their <laughs> Nobody can see it but us. I like how Emma actually, you know, she she hates that, you know, women can't get along with things and women that espouse that theory. But we're always telling her, like, dude, you need more chick friends. Because she's always hanging out with us. <laughs> On the internet. Like, I talk to, I have chick friends yeah, in real life. I've, I've seen your Facebook page, it's true. Uh, and, you know, that's like, it's an oversimplification of Kimmy. I'm being on a ladies' night podcast tomorrow. There you go. Uh, Kimmy was really close to Kelly, I think. And uh, she's probably connected to Tasha. So it's probably young people she doesn't like more than women. Hey, we and we all, all know that, that they're the worst, right? The worst! Actually, hold on, though. Because... <sighs> Abby is 35 years old. Hey, and that brings up a very interesting... She is, like, two years younger than Kelly Wigglesworth. Abby, do we want to consider the possibility that Abby might actually make the final three at this point? That yes. seems like a very yeah, real possibility. Yeah, I know. At the quarter sure season, we were like, she is not a good goat. She's too volatile, but 
Her power is over, and now she's probably a great vote. And look at that, I have another guest. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, that was one of my big takeaways of last night, is that at this point in the season, if she's part of your alliance, I mean, there's there's only so much damage you can do, and you're so close to the end that now it's getting really tempting to drag her along, because... She's not going to win. So I'd put the odds really high that she's going to make the final three now. Especially, granted, they might just be not showing it in the edit anymore because it doesn't matter, but she's not being, you know, like, as volatile and, you know, annoying and just, like, a drain on your life the way that she was earlier, at least that we're seeing. So it might... It might not seem, and as you get closer to the end, you know, it might not seem to be this, like, Herculean task to, like, drag her to the end. You know, it's more just like, oh, you're working, you know, at this point, if it's that six or if it, you know, ends up switching or whoever, you know, is probably just working with the witch's coven. It's probably like, well, you know, they just start voting out every, you know, they get it down to that six or five or whatever it ends up being, vote out other people, might as well take her to the end at that point. You've gotten that far. Yeah, and by the way, I'm going to come up with a better name than Witch's Coven within the yeah. next few days. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, I think the other key is that other than Sierra and Wentworth, you don't actually need to work with Abby to take her to the end now. Mm-hmm. Like, her danger was that she had power. Now she might just be ballast, right? So you could just... She could get to the end not because anybody is trusting her or not that anybody is voting with her, but just because they're not voting her out. Now, interestingly, she has voted with 15 of the 20 people on this season. So she's probably been racking up a lot of the hits. And that's weird, isn't it? Like, you know, we keep saying, like, it's another curse. Like, the person went home last night, you know, Kelly Wentworth, or Wigglesworth, did vote with her at least once. And that will still be true of, like, almost everybody on the show. Yeah. Uh, let's move on, though, from Abby and talk about the most fascinating edit of the season Stephen Fishback, whose edit just really does seem to change on a dime, um, looked really good in terms of Stephen last night. He was athletically competent. He actually swam out to that uh, advantage. And you criticized me for calling him an alpha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, will, we will say he is an athletic nerd, but he beat the other more athletic nerd, which was amazing. Um, well, I think I think what it was is there's, like, Steven is always incompetent at challenges, but Spencer always loses things by, like, a millisecond when they're right in his grasp, and one of those things had to win out. Right, That's Spencer right. can't kick that football no matter what. Yeah. No, he's not going to draw the right rock or when it's time for an advantage. I think also for Steven is he was ready to jump no matter what. He wasn't even, like... Mm-hmm. Advantage, like he wrote in his blog. It's like it could have been a cookie, whatever. As soon as I could tell Jeff was trying to attempt us, I was gone. So maybe he had that half second of non-indecision, and that's what carried the day. Because and basically he won by half a second. And it was exactly the thing that we said, where it was, you're not going to win the challenge anyway. That's your motivation. Just jump right in and find out. Because you're not, if you're Steven, you know you're not winning that. Yeah, yeah and I think it's true of Spencer, too. He probably made a good evaluation that just the, the the bobbing and the being his height and kind of gangly, and that Joe is a human on this season, he probably wasn't going to win either. So, so but, yeah, Stephen, um, 
a couple episodes, if we would have had a 0% club, I wouldn't have been dumb enough to put him in, but I would have been tempted. Now I think he could, like, I, is, is, was this the beginning of a winner's edit? Like, I thought he looked really good last night. He was at least, I, if this is a Steven winner's edit, it, we have to take into account that this being the second chance season, that's going to factor heavily into whoever is getting winner's edit. So there's two possibilities with Steven. Either in his second chance, he repeats the exact same mistakes, he gets to the end with the equivalent of a JT, which would be someone like Jeremy, and then he loses again. Or he makes corrections to his past mistakes and then gets to the end having dethroned the JT, and then he actually wins. Yeah, and I think like a big indicator for me is the show is starting to parrot the things that Stephen has been saying. You know, like his whole concept of new paradigms and voting blocks and all of that, that's creeping its way throughout the show, creeping its way into what Probst is saying and what Jeremy is saying. And if we start seeing it in the intros, like he might be shaping the narrative of the season. And as you say, like all his abundant and rather funny failures up until this point would only feed that growth arc that was going on. I'll also say that I think people are way too focused on edits this season because it's what we do as a community. Um, I think we shouldn't disqualify everybody because they weren't in an episode for a little bit or they looked bad for a little bit. This is an all-star season. They want to service as many people as they can. So somebody doesn't need to look like... I I, I just had a much worse joke, Um, but I'm not going to say it. In relation to the person who just left and were detached. Anyway, um, so I guess I did. No. Uh, so somebody didn't need to look like a winner all the way throughout in order for them to become a winner because you know they know we want to see these people, not just the winner. I'll let somebody else talk. So <laughs> well, okay. First of all, Emma, do you think we might actually be seeing Stephen's winners edit take shape here? I think it's possible. I don't think it's. You know, definite. I mean, I was sort of talking about this, not last year, but I think this, or not last season, I think this was more of an issue in St. Juan del Sur. But, yeah, I just think when is this in general or over, like, there's not always a mic, like, overarching, super obvious Cochrane winner's edit, you know? And people are just always so, like, oh, this is a winner's edit, this is a winner's edit. And, like, sometimes it's just, someone made a good move, or sometimes it's just a winner, you know? I think his edit, I think much more as you get you get the, like, 0% edits that we talk about, you know? And I don't think Steven's getting that, you know? I right. think he could win. Yeah, and I think part of the reason last year that we, were, we knew Mike was winning was because everybody else left just had such a terrible edit. Yeah. I think one of the things, though, that we haven't even discussed is that Steven did get that advantage, so, which I have to give credit to one of our commenters, Sharkules, who called it the, what was it, the uh, vampire vote? Vampire, yeah. I like it. It's a good one. So we'll use that. Um, so now he has this advantage in his hands, which, as long as he doesn't try to use it on Jeremy at the wrong time, could come into play. Um, I, I am a little bit worried, though. The reason why I'm not too confident in Steven getting the victory this season is because it feels like he's going to make the move on Jeremy and Jeremy's going to idle him right back out. Well, I will say that 
his story hasn't been me versus Jeremy. He mm-hmm. hasn't set Jeremy up as his JT. Um, Jeremy has set himself up as his JT, and that's a possible red flag. Um, yeah. He set Joe up as his great white whale, right? And we'll find out what other literary reference he'll come up with next week. Did you guys know that Stephen has read some things? Um, <laughs> but, so... Maybe that's where the advantage comes in. Although I don't know that you would need some vote-stealing, vote-doubler advantage to get rid of Joe. What you need him is to right. be available for a vote. Yeah, that's so it could be that he never makes theory. a move on Jeremy and he, he loses. Because that's the thing. Jeremy seems to be the one person he can't use the advantage on. Yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, he doesn't know that. I, I'm fairly certain that Jeremy has not informed Stephen of the fact that he has even one idol, much less two. You can't tell Stephen that because he is a despicable um, <laughs> he lacks morals and ethics disgusting. and loyalty. Disgusting is the word. Right, right, right. But yeah, I mean, no you know, having some fun. Oh, I was going to wear my backwards hat as a visual joke for dead. And so, <laughs> shout out to Wait, wait. To, cool, to cool dad savage. I should have popped my collar, except I don't have one right now. <laughs> I, I should go grab a... Uh, you call them beanies in your world? Um, yeah, you guys have a weird word for them. Duke. That's the right word, isn't it? I mean, Duke. who would know better than a Canadian, right? We wear yeah. them for... Like, yeah. yeah, but you're young enough that you might be able to pull it off. It really has to be the old dad of you know wearing wearing the backwards hat. It probably should be a snapback and just be like, Hey, kids, what's up? Let's rap. What, what's happening with you? Well, you do keep using the team slang. Uh, I totally brought us off uh, line there, but yeah, uh, yeah. But what do you think of the advantage in general? Uh, to bring us back to somewhere relating to last week's episode, besides making fun of Andrew Savage for his yeah <laughs> old man douchiness. Um, <laughs> first of all, yes, right. <laughs> Were yeah. you wearing that shirt before? No, I okay, specifically grabbed it for the visual joke, um, which again is going to sell so well in the audio version of this podcast. But where's my Buka Chell necklace? I don't have one because I'm not a douche. I I had two back in the day, but I'm from California. Sure, whatever excuse you want to use. Well, it was also like 2002. So first of all, getting back to the actual question that was asked. I love anytime they introduce new like wrinkles to the game, like the Medallion of Power, which was the best one ever. Um, yeah, from the best th- season ever. Yes. Um, but I will say, generally, I mean, there's obviously some major failures like the one I just mentioned, but generally, when they try these things, they, they get it right, or if they don't get it quite right, they're on the right path, and then they improve it. And so I, I think last season... The double vote is, in itself, pretty good. Um, it's at least... It's a, it's a working thing that will make a vote flip at 6 or 8, which is what they wanted. This takes that and then adds even more power to it, which in the right hands, and maybe Stevens are the right hands... Certainly a better clear. chance than Dan. Yes. God. Yeah, or, God forbid, someone like Keith had gotten it. Then it would have been like, all right, well, this is going nowhere. Um, well, what has even happened? I, anyway. Um, so I like it. I can't wait to see how it works out. I worry that it's not going to be successful in its execution, but that doesn't mean that it's a bad idea to introduce. I hope they bring back something like this at some point in the future. 
Well, also, failure, if it's epic failure, is a success from a TV show perspective, right? Like, the idol isn't great just because people have won with it or had successful plays with it. It's also great, as Emma's post this week showed, when people fail spectacularly at it, right? Like, Edgardo and Alex and them just face-falling. Like, this is good stuff. So that could happen, and I think where this advantage has the advantage... Uh, this is better than last year's, is that antagonistic element of it that you're taking somebody else's vote away from it. This has a chance of creating conflict as well, and also indecision, right? Because our worry is that Fishback will try to use it on Jeremy. And the obvious way to do that would be to take Jeremy's vote, which would just completely signal idol, use your idol, use your idol, and it would fail for Stephen that's good TV, too. That's still a positive outcome from a television perspective. So I think this has a strong chance of being something worth our while as viewers. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Jeremy, let's talk about him because as if he wasn't already in a good enough position. I thought he had connections to just about everybody that was in there um, or that was left in the game. He had an idol, and now he's got two idols, and he's got Joe around taking some heat off of him for who knows how many more challenges. Um, so are we saying that Jeremy's in pole position right now? Yes. Emma? She's not listening. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> what are you, me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, the hesitancy of, is this a Stephen Fishback uh, winner's edit? Is because, no, this is a Jeremy Collins winner's edit, uh, especially last night. Uh, again, it doesn't mean he's going to win, but this is what a winner's edit looks like. This is somebody having a cheery confessional that humanizes them, you know, with a big success. And, yeah, he's set up very well. He seems to be connected and has many different ears out there that would warn him. Um, typically, uh, the flaw of playing an idol is that you tend to get voted out anyway, but he's got two cracks at it, so yeah. that's pretty good. That's not infallible, of course, as we all know. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, um, but Jer- see, remember, James had to have the idols explained to him by Todd. Jeremy knows the show. Yeah, yes. Jeremy is not in that same boat. Jeremy could have explained to James how the idols work. Yeah. While he was watching China. Because I think what people forget a lot is Jeremy Collins is also a super fan of Survivor. Just because the guy's got abs. Same there. with Joe, you know. Yeah, yeah there, there definitely is a tendency that, no, only the nerdy people actually watch the show. But yeah, Jeremy watches like a pen and paper and writes stuff down. Like, I don't do that, and I talk about it every week. Because um, pen and paper, come on, what the hell is this? This is two thousand <laughs> laptops or four. But um, yeah, so Jeremy's obviously a big fan. I think he is in a great position. I think we've gotten enough of him throughout. And generally, basically, anytime you hear Jeremy talk, it's very confident without, you know tipping over necessarily to the, you know, sort of things they play to make you look stupid when you get voted out. And I'm okay with it. I'm enjoying him. I find him entertaining. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same here. I mean, I wasn't super high on him coming into the season, but he's been great. One of the big things that I worried about was that he would repeat the San Juan del Sur thing and just be basically a curmudgeon because, you know, get these stupid kids off my lawn. They don't know what they're doing. 
Um, he's not that. When he's playing with this group, he's a lot more entertaining. And I want to point out, by the way, in honor of International Men's Day, the three people that make up his voting block have all been featured crying this season. Men can cry, too. Yeah, not like those hearted ladies. Have we gotten any lady crying yet? I don't know that Cats, we have. I guess that one time. No, but I mean, actually... No, no, was... wait! Abby Maria cried on a beach and then Terry talked to her that one time. There yeah, but go. we didn't really... I mean, like, we saw her, but we didn't get, like, the crying confessional. And and actually, that's the thing. I mean, not to completely derail this into, you know, endless feminism, but, like... God that's... forbid. <laughs> when, um... When women are shown crying on Survivor, it's not often in the confessional, you know, in the, like, oh, this game, it's the, like, it's the Dawn breakdown, it's the Lisa breakdown, it's the Holly Hoffman breakdown, it's the, you know, this game is perfect for me, blah, blah, blah. And it, I mean, okay, actually, we have seen a little bit of cry. We saw Cass crying when Terry left and, like, Sierra and stuff. But that's, I mean, that's, like, in real life yeah. stuff, so it doesn't count. Well, yeah, the inspirational crying, I think you have a point. I, I believe Natalie Anderson got it uh, after her time that's on XO Island. I mean, that. Natalie's but, kind of another, another like, I'm not like the other girls. Yeah, well, she doesn't yeah. quite get the feminine edit, so, you know, that's something. Um, maybe this is a post you can work on for later, but not and this actually, week. The tears are a good transition, because I can imagine that when Joe is eventually voted out, if he is eventually voted out. The tears will be streaming from all of the 14-year-old Survivor fans. Um, Savage's daughters, yeah. all Boss and Rob's daughters, apparently. Uh, really many, many daughters. Everybody's daughter is very, very invested in Joe's performance. Or, yeah, Joe's performance this season. Uh, does and anyone... Joe's performance, maybe, in other ways. Oh, yeah. That was on me for the phrasing. Uh, <laughs> do it. Do we actually think that Joe can immunity idol, or I'm sorry, immunity necklace his way all the way to the final three? I don't think he can't do it. Yeah, if anyone could. Because, like, that's the thing. It's like I saw someone comment, I think, on Matt's live blog was like, or it might have been AV Club, was like, oh, we just need to get him a puzzle or something. Like, no. He's no, great no. at puzzles. He's great at puzzles. Not all jocks are stupid. Like, <laughs> it's the same, like, that's the same thing as Spencer being like, I have to use Joe's language to talk about it being football. Like, Joe is a fucking jewelry designer. Like, he's an artist. He's not, like, this, like, bro, you know? Yeah, he's like so a desert like, hippie with a man bun. No. Exactly. Like, yeah, people forget, like, one of Joe's great strengths is puzzles. Like, he announced himself on the scene last season by, like, destroying a puzzle in 10 minutes that the show thought would take 30. Um, yeah, he is very well-rounded. These have been challenges, like this last <laughs> one, was designed... He is very well-rounded, Andy. That's why the women like him. That's Not so much there. I, I, um, and we'll get to that, in fact. Yes. Yeah, um, well. <laughs> But, like, last week's episode is typically won by, like, a smaller framed person or a woman. Like, it was Brenda versus Andrea the first time they ran this. Uh, and then, you know, Wu won with his, you know, cheating shoes or whatever. But Joe wins the ladies' challenges, right? And it's not just that he's won three this time and then two last time. He's kind of individual immunity the group phase. Like, yeah, anytime you see a team in the reward, it's like, which team's Joe's on? 
that's the one that's going to win. Like, two weeks ago, I thought he looked like, you know, a team that somebody blew all their DFS money on Joe and then just had to find all the bargains, and they still dominated. So, you should yeah, really he's, explain DFS, by the way. Uh, I love throwing in sports references for, like, our 10 percenters. You guys get it, and the rest of you can just ignore. Um, no, he's one of the better, well-rounded survivor competitors we've ever seen. All right, speaking of well-rounded, Emma, it's set up. Knock it down. I mean, you know, I believe it was it was Matt actually who said that he's loving the reverse gaze this season. That's no, that's, yeah, with a Z. Sorry, not great with those <laughs> letters. I love the reverse gaze. Nah, don't even. Yeah, it <laughs> <laughs> so, makes sense. Yeah. But, and, you know, let's you know it's International Men's Day. Let's objectify some men. Well, and there's two very clear targets to be objectified. Although they've been that's focusing mostly on Joe, which because he's younger, like yeah. that. Joe got the shower scene. The scene yeah, is really like the young woman, like oh, luxuriously doing their hair. Nobody has more luxurious hair than Joe. Like I, I think it's great, and you know I'm the straightest of dudes, but you know. <laughs> Let the ladies and and the gays. Uh, no, do I sound like Corinne there? Let them have some fun, man. Like we get this every season where they try to objectify. They 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 make Monica invisible because she won't buy in. So yeah, it, I you know, I think it's funny. And you know, what do you think, Emma? Even though he's not quite your type. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. That's the funny thing. It's like neither him nor Jeremy nor I guess the other option was Wu are like quite. Face-wise, they're not there. The rest of it is fine. <laughs> Let me just say, I have no fine. problem. Fine. <laughs> yeah, and we've gotten yeah. some ladies like that in the past too. We know. Yeah, like and like none. I mean, none of them are bad looking. It's just I, the long hair just doesn't do it for me. It's just not my style. So that's like I'm not. I'm betraying my generation, but I'm just not into the man bun. I just don't get it. It's not right. my thing. You're also betraying the ladies of Survivor Facebook. Oh no, oh, no, my closest of allies. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I mean the the rest of it, you know, the oil challenge was nice. Yeah. All right, and talk about the objectification of the men. Let's talk about some chicks, <coughs> um, specifically Sierra, who who um, just seems to have grown up. She's she's taken advantage of her second chance to put it in the parlance that they would love to use this season. Um, I don't know that she specifically called the shot tonight. She, I mean, she explicitly didn't on the show, but she did the exact right move of saying, Stephen, if you're coming to us, shot's yours. Call it. Yeah, no, I've been uh, really um, proud. Is, is that <laughs> the word? Or, or, or is that one of those uh, patronizing uh, words that they're going to call me sexist for? Uh, no, I was proud of Steven for getting the advantage. So was yeah. I. Nerd pride. Yeah. yeah. But no, like, obviously, you know, a long-time listeners of our show know that I've been, you know, the Sierra bandwagon driver from the beginning, and I took a lot of heat for it. But, like, I just, like, there's a confidence coming off of her in the past couple episodes, even though, you know, she's been down in numbers. And I think I, it was really on display last night. Um, yeah, first at the reward challenge, the way she's talking to people, and she's not, 
you know, pushing people the way that some people overplay that scenario, but she's able to lead the conversations. She's able to have them. And then, yeah, in her conversations with Steven, it almost, she kind of felt kind of boss to me, you know? She's just leaning back, and some of it's just the framing of the shot, right? She's leaning back, and it's up at her. Just kind of like, yeah, no, uh, of course, what do you think? And it's just like she seemed to be in control of that conversation. Now, I will get, I will allow that most people who converse with Stephen Fishback probably come off seeming more confident than in charge when as a result. Because he's like yammering, well, what do you think? And, you know, and she's just kind of like, well, it's up to you, of course. But it kind of felt like it was up to her, or at least he wanted it to be. It was, Yeah, that was kind of a funny scene because he's like, I'll work with you guys, but I don't want to, you know, tell you guys who to vote for. And they're like, no, tell us who to vote for. And they're like, no, I don't want to tell you who to vote for. It's like, no, tell us who to vote for. Yeah, but I think in both cases, it wasn't a case of, like, indecision on either part. Oh, yeah, no. Both parties not wanting to show their hand. Yeah. Yeah, she's playing the game well. Uh, Does it mean she can win? I don't know. I will say I'm not writing her out. Just because, and this is what I was getting at the edit. Just because she wasn't featured heavily at the beginning, I don't think means anything. She wasn't in the story then. Uh, I don't know why people who are faulting her for you know playing under the radar when playing under the radar is her correct play. Uh, she could win. She doesn't have a winner's edit yet, but there is a place to build one from here if it were to happen. I would put her probably at sixth place right now in terms of winner's odds, but like there are legitimate winner's odds for her. Yeah, I just worry about the social game with her. Um, I don't think people like her that much. It would, ha- it would probably be a close vote, I'd say. Actually. Yeah. There's definitely people on the jury and who will go to the jury who will never vote for her. And, like, I don't mean they don't like her because she's, like, a bad person. But just, I think, I, think that first, I think that first week with Cass, like, I think that hurt her a lot, and I think that was a mistake. Yeah, she would struggle a bit once they got to Final Tribal just because some of the people that she quote-unquote burned are the types of people that are going to hold that against her. I mean, Savage mm-hmm. is not going to let it go. Um, Cass... Uh, Cass might turn around on that. She might be okay with it. Cass Kelly, didn't have a problem Cass with is going to vote for her. What the hell are you yeah. talking about? Sierra is Cass's favorite person in the game. Oh, my bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, I forgot that she didn't vote out Cass. I, I was trying to get at Kelly. Anyway, Kelly no, is... Yes. Definitely going to do the same thing Savage does, which will be like, oh, no, not you. You came at me, so forget you. Yeah, no, I think Wiggles and Cass would be definite no's. I think Kimmy would probably be another no. But I think other people could be in play, not so much from what we've seen now, but what she does from now to there would impress them, you know, if she somehow gets there by not being dragged. So I think she has a shot, is all I'm saying. Now... This be a good time to talk about the people who have zero no shot. shot. How about that? Okay, let's set it up then. Zero percent club time. <laughs> uh, so far, let's see. We've inducted Abby Maria, which was, was just about the easiest one you could possibly do. Uh, who else did we have? Did you have anybody? Uh, we both had Wigglesworth. So, Wigglesworth. well, and you it. had Woo, and nailed it. Yeah, and that's all we've done, but we figured it was a good time to do it now because we will be posting about it this week, and, yeah, it's been some time. So um, we'll let Emma start because she has not at all uh, done this on the podcast, um, like this year. Um, Do you think there's anybody else in the game right now who has no chance of winning? Well, yeah, I mean, I would also say Abby just to get that out there. Um, And I think the only other person I would add is Keith. I don't think... 
even though he could have won San Juan del Sur, this is not the season for Keith. This is not going to happen. No, and realistically, Keith can't win, but I don't know that we've gotten huge clues in the story of the season that he can't win. It's just if you take into account that, A, he hasn't been on it that much, and he doesn't have any sort of story, and B, what is his quote-unquote second chance narrative that we would even see? We haven't. I seen never anything. once told anyone to stick to the plan. So yeah, yeah like, if, if that's his growth arc, then we're not seeing it. And I just he's not. I don't think making it to the end, much less winning. No, I like. Yeah, as I said, you don't have to worry too much about the edit. But at this point, like halfway through the season, we would have needed more Keith. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one. Because he's entertaining. Like, the Tuck Tuck thing last year was funny. So it would be easy just to... Wow, Andy's traveled through time. Well, you know, I wasn't on the podcast. That's in Canadian time. Almost like it didn't happen. Um, At least when I was listening, I'm like, when do I start listening? I can't hear myself speak. Um, But no, like, that was funny. And Keith is great at being funny. Now, I think well, this season, you find out that when there's actual players, you don't need Keith's little Keithisms here and there. But if he was the winner, they'd put him in there. Because I don't think he's no, no longer funny. You know? And I think they'd also maybe have once in a while people, you know, saying, what do you think Keith is thinking? What do we think about Keith? Nobody cares about Keith. Keith is completely invisible. So, yeah, I agree. He, he is not winning this season. Plus, if the producers were asking, what do you think What do you think Keith is thinking? They would just get a bunch of chuckles from everybody in the confessionals. <laughs> yeah, and they would put that in, I think. Yes, you know? Yeah. Because they'd be like, oh, these, these elitist intellectuals, they didn't believe that, you know, the good old southern boy could do. I don't know what voice I keep putting on when I'm talking about Keith, but it's not a southern accent. You're but, on uh, it's Andy's not a imp- uh, southern impression that I could do, which always top notch. Uh, <laughs> It's like they turned Irish at some point. Uh, uh, John, anybody else? No, that's it. I mean, the nice thing about this season is we were talking about, you know, who might be getting winners at it. The the thing is, there's nobody that you can realistically say, like, that person's edit is terrible. There's no way they're winning. Well, with the exception of the people that we just named. Um, well, person. And, and only even, one of them is in, yeah. yeah so. Even Keith is like, eh, Abby, you can definitely say, is not winning. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's long shots for a lot of people, but it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. I'm going to put Kimmy at zero, uh, for the same corollary as Keith. We would need a little bit of something by now. She did get a good episode, the Monica one, but then she completely disappeared again. We don't even see her much in strategy conversations with Stephen and Jeremy anymore. Uh, we didn't see the relationship of her and Wigglesworth, so I think that she's just not winning. Which I will uh, say, though, I've enjoyed her. I, I, I didn't really have any expectations for Kimmy coming in, and I didn't vote for her. But um, I'm, I'm happy she's doing well. She's all right, but she's not going to win. My thing, I, I mean, I don't think Kimmy's going to win, but I wouldn't put her at 0% yet, because I could see, like, even though she hasn't gotten a lot, I could see it being... Not as good of a game by any means, but this almost being like a Natalie Anderson thing where, I mean, not that Wiggles was getting a winner's at it by any means, but it's like that's her friend or, like, you know, her alliance turns on her. And then now we've still got a lot of game. Like, I would have to see how next week plan, plays out, which is kind of cheating because it's a double episode next week. But even if next week was one episode, like, 
seeing how that was, and if she's still not getting much going on, then I would feel comfortable putting her at zero. But it's like that. This could be a big turning. Like there's the potential that this could be a big turning point for her. Yeah, character. she's one of those ones that's she's not winning, but there's not enough in the narrative to tell you like, yeah, she's screwed. She's not winning. Yeah, but that's it. You know, yeah. the other people. As you say, like, nobody's looking bad. Everybody keeps worrying, wondering, like, is this a villain's edit? And we, you know, obviously went to length saying that Savage wasn't getting one in our, you know, desperate attempt to hoist ourselves by our own petard. I hang, I, I, I stay to that. I don't think Fishbox's getting a villain's edit. There, I don't think there is a villain this season. It may be Abby at the early stage, but even she's receded to the background. They don't need villains when people are all playing and being entertaining. Unless um, they want to frame the season that way. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like they've wanted to. I, I don't think that was the heroes versus villains. I, I got you. John knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, so I think yeah, it's, I think it's great that you know most of the people out there, we could still say, yeah, they could turn it around. The show could still build something for them, you know, even if it's something as simple as like Joe needs to win everything. Hey, quick question: Do you think if Joe won everything, do you think he still wins this season, or does this not impress this crap? Uh. Uh, I it's gonna impress some of them. I mean, Savage's vote for sure. It, Probably Jeremy's Wigglesworth. vote for sure. Wigglesworth for sure. So you got three already. It would depend on. I think it would be. It would depend on who he's up against. You know, if he's up against Jeremy, or honestly, maybe even Stephen, if he doesn't shit the bed at Tribal again, like or Spencer, someone like that, and you get it, or actually even Wentworth, but like you know, if you get like an Aussie Yule thing. And it happens to flip the other way this time. You know, if, if it's like he might not win then, but if he's against someone who wasn't that impressive themselves, then yeah. Because, like, people like him, too. It's not like, that bastard keeps winning immunities. It's just like, ah, oh, that guy keeps winning immunities. I mean, there's a bit of that, oh, but it's just, you know, butthurtedness, right? It's just yeah. like, oh, why? We need to vote him out. It's not like they genuinely dislike him. It's just they're tired of taking the beats. Um, I think if he won all the way, he would win. I think it's so easy for us to sit on our couches and be like, well, whatever, he didn't play the game. I think the people out there will realize he played the only game he could play because they all know the reality of the scenario, which is we were going to vote his ass out as soon as he lost. Um, so it's not like, you know, oh, he's not strategizing. It's worthless for him to strategize. All of the strategy he can only have is one yeah, that actually... He's not fine. not strategizing. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's not like he's, he's not just woo. off on the tree or woo, exactly. And as you say, he's incredibly likable. So, yeah, I think if he got there, people will all be like, I mean, this isn't the way I thought Survivor would go, but it's the way it went, and you just got to tip your hat. You wouldn't. He could just flutter his eyelashes, you know, pull his hair down from his bun, just do a little... Little, you know, head toss, flutter his eyelashes, then he gets it. Yeah, so, but, as we said, like, that'll be really hard. So, um, <laughs> alright. Uh, so, uh, we already got set up that next week is going to be two boots. Two people going home, I'd say, just in honor of the American Thanksgiving. Yeah, get, the only one that matters. Exactly. We get uh, two episodes so that you can avoid spending time with your family, those of you in America. Uh, let's do some predictions. I really do not want to do the order that they're going to go in, but let's give out two names. And Emma, as our esteemed guest, you can go first. I feel like that's been happening all night. Um, We're gentlemen I... here. Okay. It's um, better for me to interrupt people than to go first. This is my style. 
I'm actually, um, speaking of, I'm going to predict Joe. I think, you know, I I think if anyone could, it's him could win all of those. But I I just, I feel like, I feel like they've been, you know, hammering that home too much, but without being like, oh, he's so great, he's going to, you know, it's just been like, oh, we got to get him out. I, I think it could happen, and I think it could happen in the first hour. Um, after that, I don't know, Tasha, I don't know, Sierra, maybe they decide to go against the witches after that because they don't need them as much anymore. Okay. All right, so I'll go. Um, I think Tasha will be the first target to continue what they started tonight. Uh, and that's not just because I've picked her several times and I don't really care that much about her. Uh <laughs> If which yeah, if I'm picking her, she's probably pretty safe. But more <laughs> like of the pe- of the people who did not vote uh, in the majority last night, she is the most dangerous player. I don't think you really have to worry about Keith, you know, assembling a posse to take you out. I think you could probably bring Kimmy back into the fold pretty easily. I mean, obviously Joe's dangerous for a different reason, but strategically he isn't as dangerous simply because nobody really wants to work with him if he's ever not immune. So I'll say Joe wins that first immunity, um, especially because the preview shows us, um, you know, the whole show of rock, which I'm just going to assume no matter how dramatically they're framing it is picking whether they want to be in the challenge or get some kind of reward. I always wonder if that reward is, like, you get to be under this shelter because you're tired of being ranked on or something like that (laughs) while eating food. And so I think Joe will have fewer people to beat, especially if you think that, like, Jeremy and I might be feeling comfortable. Although, should we stop talking about Jeremy as though he has some kind of challenge threat? Because... Where's the evidence? Yeah, it certainly hasn't borne out so far this season. Although, to be fair, the challenges that they've had are like... But yeah, but like, he also hasn't won reward, no? It's because, you know, that's it's true. all been pick'ems, and, like, one pick is Joe, and then the next pick is Jeremy. And um, then that so, means there's no Joe, so... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's Tasha, and then I actually, uh, I'll say Joe as well. Uh, for no other reason than, you know, I've put out there that, you you know, if I want to get one right sometime, I should just keep saying Joe. And now that i got two shots at it, I might as well throw Joe in there. But it also would make sense for a double uh, episode burn-off type uh, scenario that, you know, they kill off that one storyline that's been going through that as soon as Joe leaves, or as soon as he leaves. All yeah. right, and I'm actually going the other way with the double burn-off episode. Um, I think these are going to be the predictable ones, and I think this group of six is actually going to hold. I'm going to say that it's Tasha and Kimmy. Actually, a uh, quick note about the group of six. Um wouldn't it be great if it held by the simple fact that, like, five of our favorite people left in the season are all in it? Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm rooting for, of course. Yeah, I, would, I would like it to. <laughs> so when it came together, and I mean, that's also probably uh, maybe uh, shading a bit of our analysis of whether it was a good idea or not. It's like, who cares? We've got Steven, Jeremy, Spencer, Kelly, and Sierra all working together against, you know, the people that are like, eh. I like Joe enough, but whatevs. And plus yeah, it's anyway. like, yeah, this was a great idea because they didn't vote out Wentworth. Right, yeah, it works for me. And Steven doesn't seem in danger anymore. That's also great. Yeah, Yay! So All right, so those are our predictions. Uh, what should we tell people about us now? I should tell them that they can find us at purplerockpodcast.com. Uh, if you want to do some holiday shopping, because after Thanksgiving, it's going to be Black Friday, at least in America. I don't know what you call it in Canada. Shopping uh, American stores for Black Friday. 
what we call it. Hey, as long as you pay our sales tax with your weak-ass Canadian dollars. Um, Amazon link is on the website, so if you happen to be shopping there, please buy it. Buy your stuff through that link. Um, Our Twitter's at PurpleRockPod, at PurpleRockAndy, at PurpleRockEmma, at PurpleRockMatt, and at PurpleRockMark. Wow, I really should just shout out only Andy and I every week. Um, that's or Emma this week. Or, yeah, I'm right. here. Right. Uh, Emma, we, we do some stuff on Tumblr. What do we do? What do you do? We um, try to remember to post our website content, and sometimes we don't. But um, And I, you know, when we see fun things, we re- reblog them. But if you're on Survivor Tumblr, let's be honest, you've probably seen them about five times anyway because everyone posts the same content. But, you know, this. But if you have a personal Tumblr and you don't want the same content over and over again, we're Just the only up. Survivor Tumblr you need to follow and we'll aggregate the best of the best. Exactly. And where, where is that? That is at purplerockpodcast.tumblr.com. Oh, you guys are always so confident with your I plugs. Think. Thanks, guys. Uh, Emma, <laughs> you have another plug that you didn't mention yet. Where else can people find you specifically? I mean, I, I did mention it, but um, besides... <laughs> Before you were supposed to. It was brief and it was vague. Um, well, besides Twitter... <laughs> I can't... <laughs> Damn it. Um, well, besides Twitter, which, you know, follow me if you don't. I try to, you know, I live-tweet Survivor on the West Coast and I try to say occasional funny things that I'm not willing to say on my real account during the week. Um, and I'm getting close to getting as many followers as Andy, sort of. I'm like 30 less than him or something. But um, also, this week I will be a guest on the Tribe podcast. They're doing a ladies' night, so it'll be the Tribe's own Shandy and Colleen, as well as myself and Haley Strong, who you may know from our hat. It's like the podcast world's own witch's coven. Exactly. It really, it really worked out. What's the words you say? Yeah, that. What's your hashtag gonna be? We, the people listening can't see the horrified face I'm making. um, Killing tonight. Oh yeah. Well, that's you know what when we when we make this kind of content, they deserve to see it in the medium it was intended to be seen. Yeah, and people get to. People get to appreciate Andy's coughing, too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I spared them last week, but there's no... Escaping. And they get to appreciate Andy's baby. <laughs> yeah, and just so you guys know that are staying up really late, I don't live on the East Coast. He wasn't up that late. <laughs> <laughs> the terrible parent, Andy, is letting his child stay up past midnight. Well, technically, it's his mom. I mean, I wasn't in charge. Clearly, I was ignoring my children to talk about Survivor. Um, but, yeah, uh, you can also email us at purplerockpodcast at uh, gmail.com. But, you know, clearly I don't want people to email us because I screw up the address every time I say it. Um, oh, and normally, we end the show by saying theme music, but we're not going to play any right now. So what else we got? Uh, can Read my weekly articles, except this week I'm not doing one because Andy has one in store. But, you know, we always we all post good content on our website, and you should read it, and you should comment it, and you should compliment me all the time. And shout out to the people that did the Kelly Wentworth anti-vote before the season. You people suck. 